listening to Ingredipedia, a factual food fight podcast, where every episode we pick an ingredient and then present three facts on it each. It's a battle to see whose facts are the most interesting. My name's Emily Naismith and I'm joined by co-host Ben Birchall and today we're talking about tea. We are. Yeah. So tell me your tea style. What's your tea routine? Uh, tea routine before, like I'm a coffee person mm-hmm. until midday generally uh and then i switch to green tea okay uh not every day but you know of an afternoon i'll have a green tea or two uh and then end of the day peppermint tea that's that's strange because that's like the same there that's the same tea combo that i have but it's just i have green tea first thing in the morning then coffee then peppermint tea if i want a tea but i'm scared of caffeine so so even green tea you won't have that after no because I, I feel like it contributes uh, to me not being able to sleep if I've had mm. any caffeine. I, even though it may not have a physical effect, I feel like it may. Mm. So it freaks me out so I don't have it after uh, midday. Okay. So we've got similar yep. caffeine routines. Yes. I actually well, tea, got, tea routines. Yes. And I feel like I'm a bit of a peppermint tea connoisseur because once I, when I was at uni, I was involved in this market research thing and they sent me a chest of different oh. peppermint teas and they're like, can you please review these and tell me which one you like the best? And I'm just like, I like the one that tastes like peppermint freddo and the other ones all taste the same. And which one tasted like peppermint <laughs> freddo? It was blind, so I didn't, I didn't oh, know. But you never know. Yeah, they didn't send me any more market Have research. Have you tasted every that. peppermint tea since then, hoping that one day you'll get the peppermint freddo tea? No. No. Should we explain what the pe- a peppermint freddo is for our international listeners? Oh, my listeners? God. I feel like everyone will know. But it's, a fr- it's, it's, a, it's a chocolate shaped like a frog. It's called freddo, mm. a freddo frog, and they come in different flavors, and peppermint is one of the flavors. Mm. I haven't actually seen it in years, though. I don't, I don't know if oh, yeah. peppermint freddo frogs are still a thing. Well, I get them from my – well, I, I used to get them from the uh, – every year my son's kinder would do uh, – um, fundraising mm. chocolate where a uh, chocolate drive where you'd get like a fifty dollars worth of chocolates that you were meant to take to work to sell them but we were always too lazy to do it so but we would just eat them. <laughs> isn't that the giant Freddo? N- you there was some big ones and then some yeah. smaller ones. Okay. So And I, peppermint was definitely one of them. I may have eaten a peppermint Freddo this week. <laughs> It's good to know they're still out there. They're still out there in fundraising form at very least. Hey, I've got um, one just before we move on to our facts. Um, I just remembered this. A few years ago, uh, one of the places that I worked at had, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll say the brand uh, because, I mean, I, I like their tea. I, I buy their tea like T2. Um, it had uh, T2 peppermint tea. And so of an afternoon, I would mm. have a, a T2 peppermint tea. And... Uh, one time I found uh, a dried ladybird in the tea bag. I remember that. Yeah. I think that was a batch at, at um, because I remember actually finding one myself as well. Yeah. And I found, <laughs> like I did it once and took a photo of yeah. it and tweeted it. I'm like, this is messed up. And then I found another one like a week <laughs> later. So I... I, if anybody from T two is listening, um, can you please tell us why there was ladybugs? <laughs> but ladybirds it's not a bad in. thing. Like, if you're going to find any insect in there, you want a ladybird. They're so cool. Oh, I kept drinking the yeah, tea. I did not sure. stop drinking. I think it's an addition. <laughs> I would pay more for that. Oh, we got the ladybird edition. 
well, yeah, that's pretty much all the stories we have about yeah. tea. And that is that. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Okay, so as far as I'm concerned, the basic steps of making black tea are you put a tea bag in a cup, you put boiling water in the cup, you let the tea bag infuse in the water, you remove the tea bag, and then you pour in the milk if you have milk. Mm. And those those steps are not up for restructuring, but I know some people. Yeah. Some people. I think I think you're a tea bag person where you put the leave the tea bag in and you put the milk in and then you take out the tea bag. I are know, you? I don't have milk in my tea, so it's yeah, not, yeah. So it's well, not an fine. issue. <laughs> but I if know. You were. I'm trying to remember if I've had this conversation with you or whether it's just something on the internet. But like, yeah, there are like, it's sort of like like um, President Obama birthers or something like that. There's like <laughs> no like no milkers or something. It's like where you can't have your tea bag touch milk at any point. I don't know if it's a thing on the internet, but I 100% agree with that. The thought of a milky tea bag makes me feel physically <laughs> ill. And it just doesn't make sense on so many other levels, which I'll, which I'll delve into okay, for you. Delve away. Um, so my sister Annie makes her tea um, by pouring milk in when the tea bag's still in there. And she's actually been called a Neanderthal for doing that um, by a friend of hers who I also know called Mary. And I spoke to her about this and she said she can't even order takeaway tea because they always combine the milk and the tea bag in the takeaway cup. Yeah. So my reasons for not liking it, firstly, the milky tea bag is gross. But secondly, there's a scientific reason why it's wrong. Okay. So in my head. So the scientific reason in my head is that there's you <laughs> pour a the great caveat. <laughs> you pour the water on the tea bag and then the tea is coming out into the water. Mm-hmm. And then when you add milk, the tea bag would soak up the milk or stop the tea coming out of the tea bag. Like it yeah. it doesn't make sense. It's like going backwards. It's stopping the flow or going backwards. And you're probably wasting milk as well because the tea bag's probably soaking up some of the milk mm. and where you it's probably like an efficiency thing as well. Yeah. Um so that's my th- hypothesis. So strap yourself in because I've done some research oh. and I'm finding out whether that stands true or whether I'm just being um, being a bit pedantic. So on chowhound.com, they were having this discussion and Dr. Stanley Seagal, um, a professor of nutrition and food science at Dextral University in Philadelphia, says there are two reasons why you shouldn't add milk to tea before it's finished brewing. One of the main reasons is um, comes down to temperature. So for most black teas, it's recommended they steep in boiling water. And if you add cold milk or even warm milk to the tea, it's going to alter the rate at what which various flavor components like caffeine and tannins dissolve. So adding milk lowers the brewing temperature and it changes the flavor. So it becomes more astringent. Mm-hmm. And the other, other reason why you shouldn't do it is the presence of other components in the brewing water such as minerals and proteins from milk, affect the rate of extraction and therefore the flavor. Uh-huh. So the professor didn't mention how gross a milky tea bag is, but to all you milky tea baggers out there, if you don't do it for me, <laughs> do it for your cup of tea. It tastes better and it will um, avoid the, the milky tea bag that's just on your plate or in your cup. Like it's so gross. Um, please keep your tea bag milk free. 
This was a paid message <laughs> by Emily Naismith. Wow. Um, there was science. There was passion. Uh, I feel like I'm in trouble here. Okay. Well, what I'm going to go to is what I think you're all hoping I go to. The Civil Wars, War. No, not Wars the Civil or War. something creepy. Come on. No, I'm not going to the Civil <laughs> War. I am going to go to history, though. I want to talk about the invention of tea. So we've talked about the ultimate, the optimal, <laughs> optimal, <laughs> the optimal, I made a word, <laughs> the optimal uh, tea brewing strategies. But we haven't talked about why we drink it or where it came from. So um, firstly, I wanted to look into the invention of tea. And this is basically lifted straight from, you know, a million websites that have lifted it from Wikipedia, I think. Um, so according to legend in the year, uh, 2737 BC, the Chinese emperor Shen Nung noticed that a green leaf had blown into a bowl of boiling water, coloring the water and creating what became known as tea. And from then on, the emperor desired nothing but tea to drink. So that's tea. We can't really fact check 2737 uh, BC. So four and a half thousand years ago, that happened. Let's not question that. But what I was wondering about is other forms of tea, like iced tea. When was that invented? Also, bubble tea. I looked into that. That was invented in the 80s in Korea. But um, iced tea was one that uh, felt like it was right in my sweet spot of just people not really caring and also it happening around the turn of the century, like most of my facts. So uh, <laughs> according to the most popular story, on a sweltering day during the 1904 St. Louis World's Fair, Englishman Richard Bleckenden's or Bletchenden's tea concession was not doing well. Thinking quickly, Mr. Bletchenden added ice to his tea and created a beverage that became an American favorite. So is that story true? According to a website that I believe must have been made in 1994. That's it's like first, like pre Ask Jeeves kind of web page. Seriously, this is if anybody wants to uh, take this down. This is the URL: http colon forward slash forward slash webpages dot charter dot net forward slash mtruax forward slash 1904 wf forward slash wf underscore Myths dash dash food dot htm. Catchy. Yeah. So that's the website I got this off. I can't believe um, that domain's free. It's basically a fact checking site for the nineteen oh four St. Louis World's Fair. And why does do we need a whole website based on fact checking for that one World's Fair? I mean World's Fair we talked about this I think in the banana episode because they were popularized in I think the eighteen ninety six World Fair. I could probably go back and listen to my own own self talking about it. Um but it's like World Expo eighty eight, um if people of my vintage might remember it. Um it, it's like that. Um, you know, where people bring new products and talk about inventions. And at the nineteen oh four St. Louis World's Fair there was a number of foods that are claimed to have been invented for that World's Fair, one of them being iced tea. So the first myth that is uh, looked looked at uh, on this webs- website is iced tea. So is it true? Apparently it's false. According to uh, that website, there are many legends about this invention at the fair, but this is another invention that is difficult to document. Apparently iced tea was enjoyed much earlier than 1904, Lyndon Irwin found a newspaper article that documented the use of iced tea at a veterans reunion in 1890. Iced tea was likely popularized at the 1904 
World Fair to visitors from all over. So it spread from there, mm-hmm. but was around before. Um, really quickly go into some of the other myths. I know this is the tea episode, but there's also the ice cream cone was apparently uh, invented. That's apparently true. Uh, there's no record of the ice cream cone before the 1904 World Fair. The hot dog? False. Wow. False. Oh. Sorry. That, again, they were popularized at the World's Fair, but had been around since the late 1800s in Germany. The hamburger? False. Again, popularized at St. Louis, but were likely available at the 1893 Chicago World Fair, which I think is where the banana was uh, uh, quite quite a hit, and as early as 1885 at the Erie County Fair and Expo in Hamburg, New York, hence the name. Mm-hmm. So it's not nothing to do with Hamburg in Germany, but it had to do with Hamburg in New York. When I imagine these world fairs in my head, it's like the magic faraway tree, like a special world where all new foods are being discovered. Yeah, and they're just... <laughs> and they're just on trees. And is it like Willy, <laughs> going into Willy Wonka's? Oh, because I haven't even finished. There's also Dr. Pepper. False, popularized. Cotton candy, false, popularized at 1904. <laughs> but like all those foods were new enough that people yeah. took them to the World Fair. Huge. Um, I can't recommend enough going into the deep, dark reaches of the internet um, to find the debunking of, of myths about iced tea. It was, it, was a, it was a great month of my life. Thank you. So some matcha tea came across my desk recently. And I've been dabbling in it. Have you dabbled in matcha powder? Uh, not enough. Like a little bit. I like it. I mm. like matcha powder a lot. Yeah. It's pretty good. Um, I've been having it in like smoothies and you can bake with it and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, basically, it's green tea leaves ground into a fine powder. And apparently it has way more antioxidants because you consume the whole leaf, not just the water that the leaf has been infused in. Mm. Um, and to make matcha tea properly, you have to have a special bamboo whisk um, and it's hard and I don't think I've ever done it properly despite watching YouTube tut- tutorials. Um, so I wanted to find out what else to use matcha in. Aside from the obvious, I also came across matcha beer. So you can buy matcha beer in Japan, but I couldn't find any here. So I decided to try and make it myself. And apparently it's quite easy to make. So I want to make it for us now and then we can try a fresh matcha beer, even though you just said that you haven't drunk beer in two months because you're being healthy. So I'll just drink it. I don't want it. No. Actually, I think the matcha cancels out the yeah, beer. Yeah, there's so many antioxidants <laughs> that it'll be good for me. Um, so what you do is you put a little bit of warm water in a bowl and add half a teaspoon of matcha okay. into the glass right. and then... Um, kind of whisk it around with your whisk. Okay. So I'll do that now. Taking video of this. <laughs> it looks like a shaving brush mm. that you are whisking. Bloody expensive. Okay. It's foamy. Okay. It's actually yep. probably the best I've ever done it. Um, and then you pour the beer in. That's a good head on that one. I think probably because it was already foamy. I think so too, because I did tilt it. So I am nervous. <laughs> anyway. It actually looks really good. It does. It does. She's not lying. <laughs> She's tasting it. Mmm, powdery. <laughs> 
I think it's really good. I, I made it with Sapporo beer because I thought may as well use the Japanese, use the Japanese beer. beer. Yeah. It's good. Do you want to try some? Okay. Yeah, it's not, yeah. Yeah, that's really good. <laughs> that's really good. It doesn't look great. I would drink that recreationally. I should bottle it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's stop giving away the recipe for free to the podcast yeah. listeners. We've got to... Um, yeah, I wondered how it was taste because like matches bitter. Beer is obviously quite bitter already, but I think it like enhances it. Yeah. I don't know. I can't... Maybe I should add more matcha because it's not really coming through. It's more like a texture thing and a colour no, thing. No, I'm getting it. I'm getting mm-hmm. heaps of matcha. Um, it's kind of also has... It looks a bit like a spider on yeah. top. Yeah, it Which does. I like. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Matcha beer. Yeah, but, I'm in. Yeah, it's good. Sold. Another use for matcha powder. That's definitely less healthy. Is there anything it can't do? <laughs> if anybody wants to pay us to say that, <laughs> greaterpedia at gmail.com.au. Um, <clears throat> it's actually just .com. Um, okay. Beer is obviously something that we both like. You know what else I like a lot? And I'm really happy I get to talk about this. Tea? I like tea. Okay. You know something I love? <laughs> Like, I love it. Coffee. I just love it. I love it more than coffee. Yum cha. Same. I, f- I love yum cha. I love it. I was thinking about it today. I, I really want to go to... I um, think about it all the time. Dessert. No, Secret Kitchen. I've never been there. No, I haven't been there either. Mm. I don't... I, I, you know what? I know that I don't even go to the best yum cha. I just mm. go to the, like the basic bitch yum cha. That, um, Still good. Like, um, I won't say what they're called in case it, uh, um, I don't want to in- offend anyone. But yeah, I, even basic yamcha is the best food ever. It's, my family has been doing it, I feel like, kind of forever. Um, and I've just sort of wondered whether that's even possible, um, whether it's been around in Australia long enough for me to have gone there forever. Uh, and I should backtrack a little bit. Yamcha actually literally means drink tea, um, which is why we're allowed to talk about it in the tea episode um and it's meant to be as much about tea as it is about the dim sum although the quality of the tea we get in australia probably isn't quite the same level that you might get in hong kong or mainland china um so it's meant to be about the tea and there's a few snacks on the side Mm. is that how you do it yeah 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 i go for the tea i just um end up in a coma (laughs) from the tea i don't know how it happens (laughs) right yeah yeah um so obviously the 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 side dishes that go with the tea have have taken over a, a little bit, particularly in Australia. Um, so I looked a little bit into the history of it. Well, basically the, the history of, of where yamcha came from. Um, and it said that the tradition of yamcha originated hundreds and hundreds of years ago in tea houses that sprang up to accommodate weary travelers, farmers and laborers along China's famed Silk Road. Uh, it was still hundreds of years more before the culinary art of dim sum really began to develop. But in the third century, people believed that drinking tea along with eating food caused excessive weight gain. So they didn't do it. But um, tea's ability to aid digestion soon became known and tea houses began offering small snacks. Just just a tiny, 
just a little snack in addition to, to tea and dim sum was born. So that's the global history of it around the third century along the Silk Road. Um, and so I looked into where it came from, uh, or how long it's been in Australia. And I came across a website that I think I've referenced before, but I, I really do love this website. It's called the Australian Food Timeline. Um, if anybody is interested in the history of food and, and when it came into our lives, like, you know, when was the first McDonald's in Australia and all those kind of things, it's all, uh, it's all on this website. So Yumcha, apparently, according to Australian Food Timeline, nightclub proprietor and restaurateur Dennis Wong is credited with introducing Yumcha to Sydney at his Mandarin club in the mid-70s. So it is possible that I've had it forever because I wasn't even born then despite being quite old. Uh, Dennis and his brother Keith owned the famous Checkers nightclub in Goulburn Street in Sydney. It attracted the fashionable crowd and was at one point voted one of the top 10 nightclubs in the world by Variety magazine. Checkers operated from 1953 to the early 70s. And in 1963, the Wongs opened the Mandarin Club, an all-night venue that was popular with entertainers and colourful characters. That's in inverted commas. It also attracted Chinese families to the fifth floor restaurant in his family history, Robert Yen tells how they would go to the Mandarin for Yum Char on Sundays, walking up many flights of stairs to the restaurant, grabbing a ticket and waiting for the table. Uh, it went kind of went large and went mainstream um, in the in the mid seventies. And in nineteen seventy nine, the Australian Women's Weekly featured recipes for what the Chinese call Yum Char. It gave the seal of approval to a new kind of Chinese eating experience. By the end of the nineteen eighties, we were becoming increasingly enamoured by of the many small dishes. In, on the circulating trolleys and I had a look through I've got a, a whole heap of my um, grandparents old cookbooks uh, and there's a lot of Asian cookbooks in there because my, my grandpa was uh, Indonesian I didn't have the 1979 Australian Women's Weekly Yum Cha cookbook I did find some crackers that will come out in, in subsequent episodes of Ingredipedia couldn't find that one um, so that's the, the Yum Cha history of Australia it's very likely that I've had it my whole life um, and you know the Chinatown in in Melbourne is about 150 years old, so um, yeah, very very likely that it has been around forever. But I also learnt a few things about Yum Cha. I found a, a great blog called Tea and Inspiration that um, just seems to be a personal blog that ground to a halt in 2012. But there were some really interesting uh, dim sum facts. So here are some quirky things you might see going on during dim sum. You might see people tapping their fingers by their cup as someone else is pouring them tea. This is a customary way to thank the person for pouring them tea. The origin of this practice uh, goes back um, hundreds of years. I've never seen that happen, mm, but I'll be looking yeah. for that. Uh, when the teapot is out of water, one tilts the teapot lid on its side or rests it against the teapot handle. That is the universal sign for the servers to top you off with more hot water. I knew that one. You knew that one. Uh, and in Hong Kong specifically, you might see people rinsing their bowl, cup, plates and chopstick with tea, even if it's not noticeably dirty. It's a cleaning ritual that's often done even at the nicest dim sum restaurants. Obviously, if there is visible pieces of old food stuck on your plate, you ask for a new plate. However, uh, the, the woman that ran this blog was told that cleaning the cleaning ritual is done mostly to ensure that all the d- detergent is rinsed off. Tea, is there anything it can't do? So thank you, tea <laughs> and inspiration. Uh because you can never know too much about yamcha. Mm. What's your favorite yamcha dish? Ah, uh, don't make me choose one. Sticky rice. Yeah. Um, I just I love sticky rice, like in the in the banana leaf. Yeah. Um, or ginger prawn. Okay. 
I like prawn hagao dumplings. Yeah. But then I, I'm not sure what they're called, but it's like it's the same kind of materials as that. But the three prawns are laid flat and then the rice noodle material is like folded around them. So it's like a big, long noodle but oh, with three yeah, prawns yeah, in the yeah, middle. Yeah. So good. Yeah. I can I can take or leave those. Wow. This is a real fight now. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Never going to go to Yum Chai with you. So next I want to talk about tea and caffeine. So I remember when I started drinking tea vividly, I was about 18 and I liked the idea of drinking tea because it was something to break up the hours of study I was doing. Yeah. So the specific day I started drinking tea was the day before my year 12 English exam. And I didn't sleep that night because I'd had five <laughs> cups of tea the day before. And I, and I didn't put two and two together, but... Um, at the time, I thought it was nerves. I was like nervous about my first year 12 exam, couldn't sleep. But I found out, but it's because I was wired from the four, four or five cups of tea I've had the day before. And yes, tea does have caffeine in it, my mum kindly told me. So, yeah. yeah. How'd you go on your exam? Um, it, I did well, but it's, I could have done better. <laughs> I know I could have done better and I know it's T's fault. Um, Damn you, T. <laughs> I know, but it's really deceptive. Um, you don't get a burst of energy like you really do from coffee and it's not on the packaging. There's no real mention of caffeine at all, let alone how much is in there. So it's a bit of a public service announcement for people who may not know the level of caffeine in their tea. I've decided to work out a ranking for tea and how much caffeine it has. So... Um, and by the way, I'm really freaking out about the sip of matcha beer I just had because now I won't be able to sleep and it's like one hour till my bedtime. <laughs> Jesus. Um, so back to my ranking. For reference, a long black coffee has 253 milligrams of caffeine, roughly. Mm-hmm. Instant coffee has 60 to 70 milligrams. And black tea is commonly quoted as having the most caffeine of the teas at 48 to 55 milligrams. Okay. So that's like... Five black teas for one coffee. Mm. It's really not a lot of caffeine, but I didn't drink coffee at the time either. So maybe that had something to do with it. Um, So the matcha powder that I used before says one gram of matcha contains 25 to 30 milligrams of caffeine. And you're supposed to use two grams per cup. So that's 50 to 60 milligrams, which is actually the same as instant coffee in more than a black tea. Okay. So that's matcha powder. Yeah. And chai also has caffeine because it's black tea blended yeah. with spices, milk and sugar. So that's deceptive as well. You'd kind of think that's more like herbally, yeah. fun, desserty. <laughs> <laughs> um, oolong is said to be in the middle between black tea and green tea with caffeine content. Mm-hmm. Um, green tea regularly, like in the, not regularly, but green tea in the tea bag, how most people usually have it, is between 20 and 30 milligrams of caffeine. Mm-hmm. White tea, don't know what it is, but it's apparently a tea, 15 to 20 milligrams. Yeah. I think it's like the young tea that like the leaves are picked Yeah, they're young. I know that from an ad that used to be on TV <laughs> for white tea. I've got no time for it. Yeah. Herbal teas are caffeine free, yeah. including peppermint, chamomile, ginger and fruit teas. So I know that was just kind of like a stock take of the TR, but it was actually hard to get all those... You, stats. You and did I maths. Did a lot of cross referencing because lots of people say lots of different things about tea. 
and yet it's maths and it's a public service announcement and it's helpful. Did we just and make I'm freaked out and I won't be able to sleep? Twelve. <laughs> oh my god. Um, so yeah, I wish I knew that twelve years ago when I was studying for my English exam, and I bl- I will blame that forever for not getting as high as I could have got on um, the exam. Okay. Well, I feel bad about what I'm going to ask you to do now. Oh, no. It's a cup of tea in front of you, Emily. I'll tell you what's Skull. in it. <laughs> Skull the whole thing and run around the, around the block five times. Um, I felt at some point I needed to go to military history, uh, but I didn't mean to. I honestly didn't mean to go to military history. I just I stumbled across an article in LA Weekly called The History of Booze for Breakfast. Which okay. everyone likes that, right? Booze for I breakfast. I thought there might be whiskey in this. There's not whiskey in it. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of drinks on that, that list. And I'll, I, again, I'm going to give a coffee fact in the tea episode. Um, but there's a drink called El Pajarete, which is a deliciously stomach-churning concoction from Mexico. Uh, a mix of instant coffee, sugar, cocoa, tequila, and of course, raw cow milk. <laughs> and of course, raw cow milk right from the udder. Okay. Um, farmers in Mexico scrapped, uh, like sort of scraped this drink together to kickstart their bleary mornings, apparently. Um, and, uh, you know, but it's only got instant coffee in it. So probably it's more about the tequila than anything, <laughs> but the drink, the other drink that it was on the list, um, and that they say here, and I probably have to agree the drink with arguably the drink with arguably the best name on the list, gunfire. Gunfire. So this is gunfire. Okay. It's is this what they drink? Oh, okay. Continue. Okay. Well, Sorry. Is this what they drink? No, I what? realized I didn't know what I was talking about. And yes, it's related to war and you're going to explain it anyway. At, like on Anzac yeah. Day, um, that's actually coffee with rum uh, as part of a gunfire breakfast. Ah. Um, that's the Australian version of it. Right. Uh, Aussies and Kiwis. Um, it's an Anzac Day a tradition to, to have that sort of gunfire breakfast, but this is gunfire, which, which is a mixture of rum and tea. Which mm. I gotta say, not too bad. For, oh uh, god! <laughs> no, no. I've used I've used just a, a Twining's. Uh, well, I used English breakfast because that that's. Um, Uh, I've used English breakfast because it felt yeah. like the right thing to use for an e- English drink. Uh, it's yeah, a mixture of rum and tea. Uh, sorry, I've used. <laughs> I've gone off the rails here. <laughs> I didn't put that much rum in. Um, it's a, a mixture of uh, uh, black tea and I used spiced rum. I used uh, mm. the Kraken. Oh, yeah. It's a bit of a sort of mid, like, like it's better than Captain Morgan's, but not as good as like Appleton Estate, for example. Um, so uh, the drink was concocted by British Army soldiers in the 1890s. Officers would serve it up to men in lower ranks the morning before an attack as a form of liquid courage. So you can go and... I can go and sleep <laughs> now. <laughs> um, or, and it was also given as a parting gift. During the Korean War, members of the American Military Police Corps were given gunfire by British soldiers under the guise of it being normal tea after a recovery mission, which led to the intoxication of the MPs who then drove an armored recovery vehicle and some army jeeps into a camp gate as a result of gunfire consumption. So that's the English version. Uh, I gotta say, yeah, it's It's pretty nice. I can, I'd really like to drink it when I'm out at a bar and it's like 
you're cold at like rooftop or something. Mm. But what about a festival? Like in a um, – Yeah, just Golden take, Plains. Like Golden Plains. Yeah. Take a thermos of that. Yeah. Sit on the hill. But how would you get the – how would you get it warm? Well, you'd bring it from home in a thermos. Oh, okay. How long does it last in a thermos? <laughs> Uh, not not that long. Okay. Um, there's there are other versions of it from around the world. So uh, Jaeger tea is an alcoholic beverage uh, from Germany, which is made by mixing overproof rum with black tea, red wine, plum brandy, orange juice, and various spices all together. Yes, and I thought now about that. Sounds really bad. I thought about making that, but I didn't like. I didn't have any plum brandy to hand, so are I chose not to. I'm That's sorry weird. about that. Um, uh, although, uh, Jaeger tea is readily made at home, ready-made mixtures, which also contain sugar and spices are sold in shops and the Austrian straw rum is often used for making it. Uh, and the brand also produces its own ready-made variety of Jaeger tea. Uh, apparently it's become a popular apres-ski drink, especially, especially among tourists in the Alps, uh, where it has caused some serious skiing accidents. So I think that's the... That's the moral of the story is like don't operate heavy machinery after you've had this. We're both driving home now, aren't we? I'm just going to put this down. So what did we talk about? Well, I spoke about how you should never put milk in a cup of tea when the tea bag is still in. And then I talked about the invention of tea and iced tea and the 1904 St. Louis World's Fair. Then I made matcha beer and it was pretty good. And then I talked about yumcha. Then I freaked out about caffeine and all the caffeine that I've consumed um, tonight and ranked all the caffeine in tea. And then I made gunfire. Hey, can I say one thing about gunfire as I was just making it in the kitchen? Hmm. Um, I made sure I took the tea bag out before I put the rum in because I wasn't sure how you would feel about rum and tea bag. Oh, that's actually really good. That's a really good thing for me to think about because I know I mentioned that it's not efficient and rum is more expensive than milk and I shouldn't like the idea of wasting rum. But it really is the sense of a milky tea bag that yeah. really disgusts me. Okay. It's more the milk than the So next time I make gunfire, I'll just... I appreciate it though. Thank okay. you. All right, great. Great. Um... Thank you for listening. Uh, as always, you can find our find and vote for our facts on Instagram at Ingredipedia. There will be a, a, a photograph for my facts and a photograph for Emily's facts. Hers will go up first. You will vote for hers. And I will I've actually been putting yours up first and taking sleep. a better picture for you to test it. I still won <laughs> By a the lot. melon episode. So. <laughs> Um, thanks, everyone. Yeah, thanks. Really appreciate your support. Talk to you later.